0: Keeping Our Children Close to Our Hearts by Elder Jeffrey R. Holland of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. We must not pull away from our children. We must keep trying, keep reaching, keep praying, keep listening. Editors note As you read section 68 of the Doctrine and Covenants this month, note the Lord's counsel to parents in verses 25 through 28. To help us remember the tremendous responsibility parents have, we would like to publish again this memorable experience that Elder Holland, then-President of Brigham Young University, shared in the priesthood session of the April 1983 General Conference. He was accompanied by his teenage son, Matt. It is increasingly clear that we must teach the Gospel to our families personally, live those teachings in our homes, or run the risk of discovering too late that a primary teacher or priesthood advisor or seminary instructor could not do for our children what we would not do for them. May I offer just this much encouragement regarding such a great responsibility? What I cherish in my relationship with my son, Matt, is that he is, along with his mother and sister and brother, my closest, dearest friend. I would rather be here at this priesthood meeting tonight with my son than with any other male companion in this world. I love to be with him. We talk a lot. We laugh a lot. I pray for him, and have cried with him, and I'm immensely proud of him. Early in our married life, my young family and I were laboring through graduate school at a university in New England. My wife, Pat, was the Relief Society president in our ward, and I was serving in our stake presidency. I was going to school full-time, and teaching half-time. We had two small children then, with little money and lots of pressures. In fact, our life was about like yours. One evening I came home from long hours at school, feeling the proverbial weight of the world on my shoulders. Everything seemed to be especially demanding and discouraging and dark. I wondered if the dawn would ever come. Then, as I walked into our small student apartment, there was an unusual silence in the room. What's the trouble, I asked. Matthew has something he wants to tell you, Pat said. Matt, what do you have to tell me? He was quietly playing with his toys in the corner of the room, trying very hard not to hear me. Matt, I said a little louder, do you have something to tell me? He stopped playing, but for a moment didn't look up. Then these two enormous, tear-filled brown eyes turned toward me, and with the pain only a five-year-old can know, he said, I didn't mind Mommy tonight, and I spoke back to her. With that, he burst into tears, and his entire little body shook with grief. A childish indiscretion had been noted, a painful confession had been offered, The growth of a five-year-old was continuing, and loving reconciliation could have been wonderfully underway. Everything might have been just terrific, except for me. I am ashamed beyond expression to tell you how I then acted. I lost my temper. It wasn't that I lost it with Matt. It was with a hundred and one other things on my mind, but he didn't know that, and I wasn't disciplined enough to admit it he got the whole load of bricks. I told him how disappointed I was and how much more I thought I could have expected from him. Then I did what I had never done before in his life. I told him that he was to go straight to bed and that I would not be in to say his prayers with him or to tell him a bedtime story. Muffling his sobs, he obediently went to his bedside where he knelt, alone, to say his prayers. Then he stained his little pillow with tears his father should have been wiping away. If you think the silence upon my arrival was heavy, you should have felt it now. Pat did not say a word. She didn't have to. I felt terrible. Later, as we knelt by our own bed, my feeble prayer asking for blessings upon my family fell back on my ears with a horrible, hollow ring. I wanted to get up off my knees right then, and go to Matt and ask his forgiveness. But he was long since peacefully asleep. My relief was not so soon coming, but finally I fell asleep and began to dream, which I seldom do. I dreamed Matt and I were packing two cars for a move. For some reason, his mother and baby sister were not present. As we finished, I turned to him and said, Okay, Matt, you drive one car and I'll drive the other. This five-year-old very obediently crawled up on the seat and tried to grasp the massive steering wheel. I walked over to the other car and started the motor. As I began to pull away, I looked to see how my son was doing. He was trying. Oh, how he was trying. He tried to reach the pedals, but he couldn't. He was also turning knobs and pushing buttons, trying to start the motor. He could scarcely be seen over the dashboard. But there, staring out at me again, were those same immense, Tear-filled beautiful brown eyes as I pulled away. He cried out Daddy, don't leave me. I don't know how to do it. I am too little and I drove away A short time later in my dream. I realized in one stark horrifying moment what I had done I slammed my car to a stop threw open the door and started to run as fast as I could I left car keys belongings and all and I ran The pavement was so hot, it burned my feet, and tears blinded my straining effort to see this child somewhere on the horizon. I kept running, praying, pleading to be forgiven, and to find my boy safe and secure. As I rounded a curve nearly ready to drop from physical and emotional exhaustion, I saw the unfamiliar car I had left Matt to drive. It was pulled carefully off to the side of the road and he was laughing and playing nearby. An older man was with him, playing and responding to his games. Matt saw me and cried out something like, Hi, Dad, come over, we're having fun. Obviously, he had already forgiven and forgotten my terrible transgression against him. But I dreaded the older man's gaze, which followed my every move. I tried to say thank you, but his eyes were filled with sorrow and disappointment. I muttered an awkward apology, and the stranger said simply, You should not have left him alone to do this difficult thing. It would not have been asked of you. With that, the dream ended, and I shot upright in bed. My pillow was now soaked with perspiration and tears. I threw off the covers and ran to the little metal camp cot that was my son's bed. There on my knees... And through my tears, I cradled him in my arms and spoke to him while he slept. I told him that every dad makes mistakes, but that they don't mean to. I told him it wasn't his fault I'd had a bad day. I told him that when boys are five or fifteen, dads sometimes forget and think they're fifty. I told him that I wanted him to be a small boy for a long, long time, because all too soon he would grow up and be a man and wouldn't be playing on the floor with his toys when I came home. I told him that I loved him and his mother and his sister more than anything in the world and that whatever challenges we had in life, we would face them together. I told him that never again would I withhold my affection or my forgiveness from him and never, I prayed, would he withhold them from me. I told him I was honored to be his father, and that I would try with all my heart to be worthy of such a great responsibility. Well, I have not proven to be the perfect father I vowed to be that night, but I still want to be, and I am still trying. I believe this wise counsel from President Joseph F. Smith, If you will keep your children close to your heart, within the clasp of your arms, If you will make them feel that you love them and keep them near to you, they will not go very far from you. We must not pull away from our children. We must keep trying, keep reaching, keep praying, keep listening. We must keep them within the clasp of our arms. End of the article Keeping Our Children Close to Our Hearts by Elder Jeffrey R. Holland Read by Scott Christopher